0: What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner. Today, we've got a great episode. We're going to talk about how if you don't have the body that you desire right now, it's all your fault and you're a terrible person. You should be ashamed of yourself. Okay, if you're a new listener, I hope that you could sense the sarcasm there because that's not what we're actually going to talk about. To an extent, we're going to talk about that but not from the frame of you're a horrible person if you don't have the body you desire, but that's exactly the message that is being perpetuated all over the place. In fact, I was on Instagram literally five minutes ago and I read a post that basically insinuated, if you don't look the way that you want, it's your fault and you should be just working harder and want it more. And we're gonna, we're gonna address that. I also wanna talk about, your brain and how sometimes you want to do something and your brain's like, nah, we're not going to do that. How to fix that issue from ever happening. I know it can be frustrating when you're like, yeah, I really want this thing. And, And you know, conceptually, logically, you feel it. I want it. And your brain's like, nah, we're just going to do this instead. And you're like, what the fuck brain? Get on board. Get on board with this mission. We want this thing. Hopefully, you you actually understand what I'm talking about. And those are going to be the two topics of the day. Yes, two topics, because I keep getting, I should say, I've, I've received a few complaints. Somebody asked to speak to the manager. I'm the manager of this show. And when you write a letter to the manager, it comes to me. And I got a few complaints about how I don't mention or I don't talk about the topic until later on in the show, and so my reframe is I'm just going to give you all the topics right out of the gate. So now you know. Now you know what we're going to be talking about. We also have this new thing that we do where we pick a winner every single week. One person who leaves a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts is eligible to win some free supplements. You have your choice. You can choose from one of our great sponsors, Organifi or Cured. Or you can choose from our pop supplement brand as well. Your choice, your supplements. If you're the winner that week, I'm going to call out your review and your username, and you're going to email me, and you're going to say, hey, that's me. I won some shit, and then I'm going to send you some shit, and it'll be everybody will be happy. So all you have to do to be eligible is leave a five-star rating review on Apple Podcasts, for this week, we have Robin OS. That is your username. Robin OS left a five star rating and review that was titled Educational and Motivational. Robin said, Mike talks like he's talking to a friend who really needs advice. I listen to dozens of health and fitness podcasts, and this is the one, this one, this is one, I, I promise I can read. <laughs> this is one of the most helpful. He addresses common mental and physical challenges that people face when setting and reaching goals. I listen every week because he helps me stay motivated in my weight loss journey. Excellent podcast. Thank you so much, Robin. I appreciate the review and hopefully you appreciate some free supplements. So all you have to do is email me. The email address is mike com, and you get your choice of some supplements. So, if you want to be eligible for next week, all you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, go to the search bar, type in Mind Over Macros, and then when you tap on the Mind Over Macros thumbnail, you scroll all the way down, you'll see a little section that says Ratings and Reviews. You tap in to the five-star, you write the review, you hit Submit, and you are eligible for next week's drawing. So, let's get into it. Hopefully you guys are doing well. I'm actually recording this on Halloween. Hopefully everybody had an amazing weekend. A little life update for me: my sister got married on Saturday. I'm very happy for her. Her and her new husband, and uh, the the wedding was beautiful. We had a great time. It was uh, it was a long weekend of activities. The Friday night rehearsal dinner was a Halloween costume party. Mel and I went as Danny and Sandy from Greece. So I had my leather jacket on. And actually, Mel stole the show. Her costume was legit. She was like the, the pink lady version of Sandy and looked absolutely stunning. And then Saturday, we had literally all day. I don't know if, if I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who have been married or who are married. I say have been married since I'm speaking from my own perspective of having been married and now divorced and now getting married again. I figure take two has to be a little bit better than Than the first try. We all need a do-over at some point, right? So, but if you were if you have been through this process, tell me why the festivities and and not even the festivities, but tell me why the day has to start so freaking early. Like the wedding was not until I think 5 p.m. We had to be there at 10 a.m. And like for what? (laughs) I know that the women had to do hair and makeup and all that shit, but like It's a long ass day. Plus we had Mel's youngest Evie who's nine. She's about to be, she's about to be 10 in like less than three weeks, but she had to be there for the whole time. And she got to walk down the aisle with us, which was really cool. And then come out, you know, when they announce people onto the dance floor or whatever, she got to be part of that. And of course she got to hang out with my nephews who are her age and they had fun, but like for the kids, it's such a long day. And ultimately, by the end, she was she had had it. She was about ready to uh, melt down, and fortunately, she was a trooper. She stuck it out. We had a great time. We danced up a storm. We ate up a storm. I don't know if that's a, a saying, but it is now. Literally, I'm. I don't know about you, but the best part is the the hors d'oeuvres when like the past hors d'oeuvres or even just like the little station. Give me all the finger foods. If you could just eat it in one bite, I'm a fan. Pigs in a blanket, little shrimp cocktail, little crab cake, mini crab cakes, the little spring rolls. I'm I'm all day on the hors d'oeuvres. If you're with me on that, message me and tell me I'm not crazy. That is, to me, like the plated dinner I could do without, even though it was good. But give me the hors d'oeuvres all day. That is my wheelhouse. So we we had there was cookies, there was cake, there was ice cream, there was literally just, I don't know, we, we went in. We went all in. And of course, we danced all night. And Mel is a fantastic dancer, and she is the best wedding date ever because we just have a great time. We dance. We, we don't care and just let loose. And it was a lot of fun. Hopefully, you had a nice weekend yourself and have some Halloween plans or something fun coming up, but that's just a little life update. Now my sister's married, which is crazy. So she's off on her honeymoon now and uh, hopefully having an amazing time. Anyway, let's talk about the body that you desire. If you don't have it, then clearly you don't want it. Clearly you're not dedicated. Clearly you're not committed. This is a toxic message that gets thrown out there On Instagram. And I I actually don't believe that the people who say this stuff mean it the way that it sounds, but I can't help, but, but interpret it that way. I read at least three to five different posts that kind of said the same thing. And it would always be somebody who's really fucking lean, like impressive physique, shredded bikini competitor, bodybuilder, Somebody who is at the top of their game when it comes to aesthetic. And the basic message is like, look, if you want to look like I look, then you just need to want it bad enough and stay consistent and stay committed. And, and then you have this picture of somebody who's just peeled, like shredded, striations, abs, everything. And you're like, wow, good for you. But like that message... And the way that you look right now, you know what it's not? It's not healthy. And you know what it's not? It's not helpful. In fact, I would say that that message probably hurts more people than it helps. Because you immediately associate that level of leanness with normal. Like, oh, this is within my reach. That would be like LeBron James showing you a video of him doing like a through the legs dunk, 360 dunk, and being like, if you want to throw down like I do, all you have to do is want it bad enough. And like, you're not going to be LeBron James. Similarly, you're not going to look like these people look, but the fitness example is even worse. Because LeBron, if you start practicing, you start playing every day and you start working on your game, you're going to get exponentially better. The problem is that the fitness examples are showing something that is actually not healthy. So if your goal is to be healthy, they are showing you an example that is counter to the thing that you actually want, right? Like Sustainable behavior change is hard enough. Living a healthy lifestyle takes time and patience and unlearning old behaviors and unlearning old habits and unlearning old ways of thinking. It's not about perfection. It's not about being absolutely shredded. And living with very low levels of body fat is the exact opposite of health. Your body fat can, if it's at too, if it's too low, like, first of all, it's the answer lies in the middle is what I'm trying to say. If it's too high, that's unhealthy. But if it's too low, that's also unhealthy. So there's this unrealistic expectation when you see somebody who is so freaking shredded and, and then they're telling you like, you can achieve this if you're just, if you just want it which I get the point. Like I understand the point. I understand what they're saying, but it's not helpful because the interpretation is like, oh, if I just commit, then I can be 5% body fat. Like, yeah, technically you can, but is that actually what you want? What are you really committing to? If you commit to that, if you're, if you're like, this person's an inspiration, I want to commit to competing in a physique show. I want to commit to stepping on stage And being a competitor, a bodybuilder, you know, bikini competitor, whatever it is, great. Go for it. But let's also have an open dialogue about what that takes and the sacrifices that these people are making, like having to strictly diet, being hungry all the time, having no energy, no sex drive, no social life, having everything revolve around food and exercise. If that's what you're signing up for, cool. But let's make people aware that that's what it takes. Now, I'm not saying that they do that year round, but still, if you want to step on stage and that's a goal, amazing, go for it, be committed, be dedicated. But let's not confuse the two, let's not conflate the two and act like it's healthy to step on stage. It's not healthy to be that lean. And if you don't believe me, ask any competitor how long they stay at their leanest. They stay at their leanest for about, I don't know how long the show takes, however long the show takes. That's how long they stay at their leanest. But what if you're committed to something else? What if you're dedicated to something else like health? What if you're dedicated and committed to family dinners and not having to eat something different than your family? What if you're committed and dedicated to improving your relationship with food and you don't want to starve yourself to 5% body fat? What if you're dedicated and committed to having balance in your life? and moderation, and you've had issues with certain foods and you want to incorporate the foods that you love into your plan. What if you're committed and you're dedicated to no longer obsessing and stressing about food choices and controlling food? What if you're dedicated to living longer? Why are we associating dedication and commitment to the leanest version of yourself? That doesn't make sense. And I think that that's the message that's getting perpetuated is like, hey, look at the leanest version of me. If you want this, you can do it. But like, should you? It's really easy to scroll through Instagram, to pull up TikTok, Facebook, whatever it is, whatever your vice is. It's very easy to open that app and to feel really shitty about yourself. But I can tell you, those people who are posting pictures of themselves at their absolute leanest and telling you that you can do this if you just want it bad enough or not telling you the full story. Of course, you can accomplish whatever you want, but you have to know the trade-offs. You have to know the sacrifices. Most of the time, it's not worth, worth it. Like When I was at my leanest, I can tell you with absolute certainty that that was my most miserable state When I was at my leanest, I was my most miserable. I hated myself. I didn't even like how I looked. I hated how I felt. Nothing about that process was enjoyable. Don't lose sight of what matters. The question that you have to ask yourself is when you see a post like that, when you find yourself going down that rabbit hole, ask yourself the question of what do I actually want? is this moving me closer or is it moving me further away? Because if it's, if you want health, if you want sustainability, if you want a lifestyle that supports your goals, probably moving you further away. So the decision becomes very clear. You can unfollow that person or you can just simply just scroll on by and say, good job getting that shredded. Not something that I'm interested in, right? So, Is this something that I actually want? Is it moving me closer to the thing that I want or is it moving me further away? Most of the time, if you start to peel back the layers, it's moving you further away. Now, again, there are situations where you may want to pursue something extreme. Go for it, but go into it with an understanding of the sacrifices and the trade-offs. and Don't confuse that with a health goal because that's not a health goal. All right. Hopefully, we're on the same page now. Topic number two of the day: We're going to talk about your brain. This is your brain. You remember that that commercial? This is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? That was a, a that was a really solid marketing campaign. Actually, I shouldn't say that because I don't remember wh- who ran the ad, <laughs> but it was a memorable commercial. My brain is on drugs right now, but not the kind that you're thinking of. I have in my hand, this absolutely delicious cured euphoria drink, which has some CBD, some mushrooms, some vitamin D. It is absolutely delicious. I'm drinking the uh, crisp apple flavor. Cured makes the best products when it comes to using functional mushrooms, using CBD, things that There's a stigma around, but there shouldn't be, and they are helping to squash that whole perspective. I'm telling you, I I drink one of these cans of Euphoria every single day. I take their Serenity gummies every single night. I never miss every single night. And when I have anxiety in the morning, I just use their broad-spectrum CBD. Their products are incredible if you are dealing with anxiety, stress, trouble sleeping, racing thoughts at night, I highly recommend you check out Cured. Go to curednutrition.com. Start with the Serenity Gummies, my favorite. I will keep telling you, best product on the market. Until something surpasses it, They, that's the goat right now. That is the leader in the clubhouse. Helps me sleep, helps me unwind at night. Go try the Serenity Gummies. If you're dealing with some anxiety, grab their CBD, their broad spectrum CBD. And if you want a delicious beverage every single day, the Euphoria, um, only part about the Euphoria drinks is we don't get a discount because they have such thin uh, margins on those, but you should just try it anyway. Go to curednutrition.com, get 20% off any product that's not already discounted um, and, and the drinks are not included, but you can get the Serenity gummies, the CBD, their Zen caps, their night caps. All of that twenty percent off. Use code POPFAM at checkout. Go to curednutrition.com. Use code POPFAM. PopFAM at checkout for twenty percent off. So my brain right now is not on drugs, but it does have some lion's mane, some CBD, some of the good stuff in there, um, and it's it's trying to function at a high level. You know, I'm I need all the help I can get. So, the, but there's sometimes. When your brain just won't let you do the thing that you want to do. Like logically, you're like, you know what? I should probably get off the couch and go to the gym. I should probably get out of bed and not hit the snooze button. I should probably go make breakfast. But then your body and your brain are like, nah, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing, right? Like your, your brain has other ideas like, nah, hit snooze, go back to bed or now we're not going to go to the gym we're just going to watch tv i hate to use the term motivation because i don't think that that's the problem i think that sometimes we assume that motivation is like this this spark of like yes let's go like when you think of motivation you're like this was really motivating you think of like like move like i'm i'm going to get up and like run through a wall. At least that's my interpretation, but that's not really what motivation is. Like, if you think about it just by listening to this podcast, you're motivated to be healthier, to make a change, to start keeping promises that you make to yourself to be a better version of yourself, right? There's some kind of inherent motivation Just by doing this thing that you're doing, which is listening to me ramble, just by like wanting to change or even taking very small steps that may seem innocuous, they may seem inconsequential, but that's still motivation. Motivation to me is not this like, all right, I'm ready to get up and run through a wall. Like If you go to the gym and you're like, I'm here. I don't really feel like being here. You're there because you are motivated. You don't need to be like, yes, let's fucking go to the gym. Like that doesn't need to be your level of motivation. You could just know, Hey, I want to make a change. So even though I'm not excited about going to the gym, I'm still going to go because I'm, I'm motivated, but let's use the traditional form of how motivation is talked about. Like I just can't get myself to go. I'm not motivated. How do I get motivated to eat healthy? How do I get motivated to take care of myself? And you might find yourself in this trap where you you think you want to do those things, or you're like, I want to be the person who wants to do those things. And so there's really two pieces to this puzzle. The first part is you follow the James Clear way of thinking, which is I'm going to set up my lifestyle to create habitual success. James Clear wrote the book, Atomic Habits, very helpful for anybody that's trying to make a change. So that's, that's part of it. It's like, hey, I want to do this thing. And what James Clear will tell you in the book is, okay, cool. So let's reduce any friction that's standing between you and the thing you want to do. Or let's say you're trying to break a bad habit, like, I don't want to stress eat, I don't want to emotionally eat, I don't want to whatever. What he would say is, increase the amount of friction between you and the thing you don't want to do. So easy example for that is, hey, it's Halloween tonight, there's all this Halloween candy in the house, I don't want to eat the Halloween candy, okay? Okay. We need to increase friction between you and the Halloween candy. So let's put it in a different room of the house up high in a cabinet that takes a lot of effort to get to. Now it's not convenient. Like if the candy is sitting right in front of you on the kitchen table and every time you pass it, you're like, Oh, there's Halloween candy. You might just subconsciously make the choice. Like, yeah, I'll grab a piece. You might not even know that you're doing it. It's just, you're just operating from a place of, You know, subconscious movement, which is how we operate most of the day. So put it in a place that requires conscious thought to get to. Now, if it's something that you really want to do, like the gym example, I really want to go to the gym. All right, well, how can we reduce the amount of friction between you and the gym? Well, we can set up a a calendar invite, we can set your alarm for a certain time. You can have your gym bag and your clothes ready to go the night before. It's all laid out for you. You can have an accountability partner that is going to wait for you or text you or whatever. There's, there's less friction, which means you're more likely to follow through. Like If you, in the moment, have to make a decision and there's no plan, it's just on the spot, here you go, you probably won't make the right decision that often Because it's coming from a very reactional place versus a thoughtful, planful place. Like, the more you set up ahead of time, the more friction you reduce ahead of time, the easier it is to follow through, right? So more friction, less likely to follow through, which is great for a bad habit. Less friction, more likely to follow through, which is great for a habit you're trying to adopt, Like. Going to the gym or making your own food or eating better quality foods, whatever. Going for walks. Like If you want to go for more walks, reduce the amount of friction between you and walking. Put your walking shoes out where you'll, you'll see them in the morning. Set an alarm. Have somebody go with you, right? Like reduce the amount of friction. Anyway, so this is all explained way better than I can explain it in the book, Atomic Habits. And that's something that I recommend everybody read. You can check that out for yourself, but it's only part of the solution. Yes, habit creation is important. Yes, breaking bad habits is important, but there's more to it than that. Sometimes your brain just won't allow you to follow through despite your best efforts. You may have done everything right, quote unquote, right from an environment standpoint, like you've set yourself up. There's no friction. You're ready to go. Your alarm is set. You've got the gym in your calendar. Your clothes are ready. Your gym bag is waiting for you at the front door. Your accountability partner is texting you. And yet your brain is like, nah, we're good. In which case we have to look at what's happening under the hood because your brain may not be producing the right chemicals or neurotransmitters to actually get you to take action or you know, take action to go to the gym or to eat healthy or to, to whatever it is that you want to do. And it can show up like in severe cases, like depression and anxiety. How If you're dealing with actual depression um, and intense anxiety, you should be working with a professional. But there are also less severe cases that can be managed with some lifestyle interventions. and And typically what we see is there are two neurotransmitters that are at the root of these type of issues, lack of motivation, um, you can't get yourself to do something that you want to do, or something that might bring you joy is no longer bringing you joy. These typically can be linked back to dopamine or serotonin. Uh, There are a ton of neurotransmitters, hundreds of neurotransmitters, but these two are kind of a big deal and important to focus on. Dopamine is the neurotransmitter responsible for a lot of your behaviors and decisions and motivations. It's the pleasure-seeking chemical. It's part of a reward feedback loop in your brain. Your, Your body's own dopamine is probably one of the most powerful chemicals slash drugs. Like it's not actually a drug, but it is a chemical that is insanely powerful. It can get people to do some really fucked up shit. Let's just put it at that. That's my my science speak. Lack of motivation is often a dopamine issue, even though a lot of people treat, treat it as a serotonin issue, but that's a different topic. Anyway, serotonin is often referred to as a happy hormone, even though it's a neurotransmitter. They're all kind of similar neurotransmitters. Hormones are just chemical messengers. Serotonin is responsible for for feelings of contentment and well-being. It often, I mean, it also plays a role in a ton of different bodily functions from like mood regulation to appetite and gut um, digestion, things like that, but for an immune system. But for for this conversation, we're going to look at how it plays a role in feelings, feelings of contentment, well-being, oftentimes anxiety, uncertainty, Feelings of hopelessness or sadness are often connected to serotonin. My issue with most antidepressant medications is that they only address serotonin as if that's the culprit all the time, which it can help, but usually it's a dopamine issue. If you just think about SSRIs or selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, it's a drug that will allow for more circulating serotonin in the brain and the body, but If you only address serotonin and we ignore dopamine, it creates a situation where you're just okay with not being okay, right? Like you don't feel better. You just feel better about not feeling better, if that makes sense. That was kind of strange, but like you're content with not being okay. So it's, it's a strange way of addressing an issue that I think it would be wise to address both serotonin and dopamine. Now, our modern-day lifestyle has really put us in a bind when it comes to dopamine support. The the ease and the frequency and the effortlessness of getting a dopamine hit is causing a lot of issues. I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast also listen to uh, Andrew Huberman's podcast. He's a brilliant mind talking about brain health and neurotransmitters and one of my favorite quotes all time is he said chasing dopamine without effort will destroy a man. Because if you think about how we evolved, we evolved where the dopamine reward system that reinforces behavior behaviors was not that easy to trigger. Like you had to work for it. You had to work to get a dopamine hit. It was not readily available. We didn't have food readily available to us with aisles and shelves of grocery store convenience. We didn't have our wildest sexual fantasies readily available to us with the click of a button. The hub, Pornhub, didn't exist back then. We didn't have blue lights in the palm of our hands giving us constant dopamine and the ease of, of drug use and gambling and all these different things that produce dopamine. We didn't have that just readily available there. We had to work to get that dopamine response. We are meant to be challenged. We are meant to work for it. And now it's effortless. It's so easy to get a dopamine hit. It's so easy to constantly get dopamine hit after dopamine hit. Every single time you get a notification on your phone, social media, like, you're getting a hit of dopamine. And then what happens? You shut off your phone and you get a notification and you get another hit. And you open it again. You're like, oh my God, I went from 17 likes to 18 likes. And then an hour later, you're still getting more dopamine. Now I'm at 137 likes. I must be popular. Like, no, actually, you're just depleting your body's ability to produce and respond to dopamine. Dopamine used to require effort. Now it doesn't which is why we have an abundance of dopamine depletion that can manifest as mood disorders, addiction, and mental health issues. Given the fact that we already live overly stressed lifestyles, we're placing an added tax on serotonin as well because serotonin helps to calm down the brain. But if we're constantly activated, if we're constantly in that sympathetic fight-or-flight state we become overly reliant on serotonin and or GABA to downregulate. Over time, we can deplete serotonin or we desensitize our serotonin receptors in the body so we're not responding to the serotonin that we do produce. And so it's important that we address both. Dopamine and serotonin, they both play a role. They both need to be taken care of. And let's, let's break it down. And this is going to be just a high-level overview of how it works with each of them. Um, more specifically, if you want something a little bit more individualized, that's where neurotyping can be so powerful because it gives us that look inside your brain. Quite literally, like understanding your personality traits, it gives us insight into the brain chemicals, your neurotransmitter balance, your neurotransmitter dominance, what's responsible for most of your behaviors and decisions. And then we can write a personalized prescription on how to optimize so that your brain is not getting in the way of your body doing what you want to do. But anyway, let's take the high level view first. So, with dopamine, we want to eat enough protein, exercise regularly. You can meditate, making to do lists. Anytime you make to do lists and you cross stuff off a list, you're going to get that dopamine response. But it's important because you make the list and then you actually follow through on the work. Okay, that's the key. Um, listening to music, setting long-term goals, supplementation, um, things like L-tyrosine, rhodiola, P5P. We have a dopamine support product with Pop. If you go to NeuroTypeTraining.com and then you click on the supplements tab at the top of the page or on the menu bar if you're on your phone, you'll see that we have bundles for each neurotype, but we also have specific supplements for neurotransmitter support. We have a dopamine support product. We have a serotonin support product. So you can supplement to help with your body, having the raw materials to produce more dopamine, Um, spending time in nature, eating less processed foods, reducing alcohol, getting quality sleep and enough sleep. We need that REM sleep. We need that slow wave sleep. You're not doing yourself. If you're sleeping for eight hours, but you're in that light sleep or awake, you're kind of like off and on, it's not really helpful. We want to know deep sleep, REM sleep. If you don't remember your dreams, you're probably not getting enough deep sleep. So that's all the ways that we can support dopamine production. Serotonin, serotonin, get out in the sun, especially first thing in the morning. Sunlight in general is helpful for serotonin support and production, but first thing in the morning, because that helps to regulate your circadian rhythm. Also eat enough protein, journal or meditate, exercise regularly, walking, reducing stress, things like massage, and then supplementation, P5P, L-tryptophan, vitamin D3, St. John's wort, or just get our serotonin support product that we have through pop and that is how we support serotonin. So there's a lot of similarities, right? Like there should be some things that you're like, okay, these dots are connecting, like the importance of protein and the importance of exercise and the importance of stress management and the importance of not over exhausting yourself all the time, like recovery, food quality, sleep, like all of these things are important across the board. There's a reason why I talk about the basics so much because it matters. It matters in any way that you slice it. Uh, I have this issue with with dopamine without effort. It's so common. It's so enticing. Sometimes we don't even realize that we're doing it. But like, you know what else? Halloween candy. Here we are. Dopamine without effort. Just grab a piece and shove it in your pie hole. Dopamine. Oh, now I want another piece. More dopamine. More dopamine. Even like. Right now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm so fucking sick and tired of these goddamn political commercials that will not stop. They're awful. On both sides, I hate it. Doesn't matter what party affiliation you have. If you don't hate it on both sides, then there's something wrong with you. It's it's disgusting, it's gross. I can't stand it. Politicians, they just want to give people dopamine without effort. Their whole platform is i 'm going to be the one to give you good news, and you don't have to do anything about it i'm just going to give you some good news and give you that dopamine hit, and you can just sit on your ass and do nothing like it it's It's gross, but that is just why we're we're not in a great place with our health and our mental health and things need to change and that's one of them so granted, this overview is pretty surface level, um, but again, if you need a deeper dive, neurotyping is. So beneficial for this reason. If you feel like your brain is working against you, if you feel like your brain is working against you, then it is important that we address what's going on under the hood. It's important that we look at your neurotransmitter balance, understand your personality type, and we can make a prescription based off of your situation. So go to neurotypetraining.com take the personality assessment. You'll gain some valuable insight. And then if you need to reach out about a customized protocol for that, that's what we do. We're really freaking good at it. So I recommend you take me up on that offer. It'll change your life. It'll change the way you approach things. It'll change your body. And uh, yeah, if you want to feel better, have more confidence, look better and look better naked, then we've got you covered. Anyway, hopefully this was helpful. Hopefully that made sense. And I will talk to you guys very soon.